Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Guys, it's draft season's over. It came and it went just kind of like a, a gust in the wind, and uh, we're left kind of with the aftermath of where some of the Canadian guys stand, how the arrows did, and uh, I mean, all in all, I thought it was a, a pretty exciting night. There was a, a lot of confusion to start, especially for the international uh, viewers. But um, yeah, I I, uh, I was excited to see how everything kind of cards all laid in the end. Hey, Stu, how's it going, man? How are you? I'm since doing. Dan's not gonna, since Dan's not gonna ask us how we're oh doing, it's just gonna. Well, well, I'm doing great, but I mean, uh, I mean, we are kind of behind of talking about like the draft news, so. That's and true. seeing as we're all here, we're all healthy, I think it's best to dive in and talk about not only the three players, but the three Canadian players that the Canadian team signed. Well, at least selected from the listen, draft. guys, I can go. Do you want me to go? I can go scrape some backsplash or something. Ah, come, come on down. We'll need you all the same. All right. Well, I hope you guys are doing well. It's been hot, hot, hot. I don't know if you guys have been uh, able it's to hide the air conditioning. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Like it's Ontario is like muggy and gross and just yeah. We're hoping all our listeners and uh, fans are you know drinking adequate water every day, staying cool where possible. Um, have air conditioning. I hope you have air conditioning. That's yeah. Man, it's 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 bad outside, man. Like, yeah, it's yeah. I know. I I, I took my daughter wearing to sunscreen, the beach. all that fun I, stuff. I took my daughter to the beach specifically in the morning because I knew that like if I tried to do it in the afternoon we would just be cream raisins. It's, so it's still like 30 degrees in the morning. Yeah. Like, supposed to be like you wake 41. up at 30. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be like 41 tomorrow. Oh, I know. Celsius oh, man. for all our international, AKA just the American listeners. Yeah. Who are really making fun of us being like, you, you, you guys have never like, been. To, you guys, yeah. You think that's hot? What the heck? Yeah. Which is probably right. true, but it's, uh, I know like I, I've heard like a couple of like my friends that are from elsewhere in the world said it's like you know the global stereotype is that canada is super cold so like when they were moving here everybody's like you know get like winter stuff and then they're like but at the same time they're like nobody tells you how hot it can get in the summer mm, that's I, true. Stu, I have no idea if that's a uh, part of your experience there but that's just uh well i, I moved in september and when i arrived in 2018 uh i don't know about ontario as a whole but toronto was definitely in the midst of a heat wave so yeah. I, fortunately, I still had summer clothing available. I didn't even have a winter coat at that point. Did you expect but, uh, that though? Like to just like show oh, up and it no, be because because like... what I do is I go online and I research this important information and then I get what I need to get. And uh, if I need anything else, I just uh, do that later. Oh, there you go. That's a, that's a future. That's a future shoe problem. problem. Yeah, that's, that's oh, a future. boy. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, the arrows. Uh, took part in their very first uh, uh, MLR varsity collegiate, however you want to call it, draft. And uh, they stuck with their picks. Um, they went fourth overall, um, 17th, and then made a trade with NOLA for salary cap considerations, which it's nice to know what the trade was for. It's still kind of vague, but, you know, I well, digress. It's it's extra cap money. Um, yeah. I, think, I think that was nice. It's like at least – during the broadcast because it was weird i think like that that is something that 
does in general, some of the communication stuff from the league. It's just like, it was weird being like looking at the picture when they posted the, the picture of the draft order on their social medias and everyone's just sitting there trying to figure out what the trades were because yeah. it's like, Oh, teams moved around. So obviously there's trades. And I guess like during the broadcast, Dan Power mentioned, you know, did I thought he did pretty well to like cover some of the, it's like, you know, foreign player spot here, some salary cap space here, nothing like, yeah. nothing like blockbuster, but you know, it's, it is. Cause I, I think even it goes back to like the end of the season where it's like, do we still, because I was surprised to not see San Diego and Seattle picks being swapped because i was like oh we still don't know what that trade was that sent larson and Comtat to seattle so i was yeah. like oh i wonder so going into this i was like oh i wonder if there's we're gonna see like oh there's some picks swapped in the draft but they uh that wasn't the case so i still i'm still kind of left wondering what that trade was actually for yeah so. yeah like uh when dc um I don't think they had a pick in the first round. No, did they, they traded it to New York. Yeah, they for... traded it. But that, and that was done back in April um, for DeMonte Noble and in order to secure his talents for was it? glory. Yeah, they, yeah, but I only found that out because I went back and looked at DC's replies because people were asking, why are our picks this order? And uh. I don't know, maybe it'll just be like for future considerations. Um, like the future drafts even, it'll be worth considering uh, these teams announcing, you know, especially stuff that's already, ha- like the DeMonte Noble thing was obviously announced back in okay, that's a while April. Ago, yeah. but, but that's the thing, people forget, especially when a championship's on the line. So maybe just, you know, refresh your uh, fans' memories. And then you don't even have to say, like, like that thing, we can keep it vague, you know, salary cap considerations, things like that. Or, ah, that's fine. Or you know, international at least you know cap it, space. Yeah. At least you know what it is. Like it's yeah. Yeah, exactly. It explains what you got back, right? Yeah. But anyway, way, I digress. That's a little that's a little offshoot. Just uh yeah. What we went on a tangent. Never. Oh yeah, we always went on a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> um so yeah, so they traded down from the 30th to the 35th with Nola uh exchange for salary cap. So guys, let's get into their first pick. Uh with the first pick, um the or their first pick fourth overall. Uh, the arrow selected Logan Martin Feek from the University of Victoria, the Vikes. Uh, Victoria, British Columbia boy, 23 years old. He's a dual um, Canadian, New Zealand citizen. Uh, and they kind of talked about this, that he is a versatile back. Um, primary position is fly half, but covers flexibility, cover throughout the back line. Uh, Mark Winokur said Feek, uh, Martin Feek is a very talented and versatile back from UVic who gives us flexibility and cover across the back line. And, you know, I think the arrows have shown that they do love a player with versatility, you know, between most of their fly halves, really when you think about it, Malcolm from the first year and then Taylor Adams has covered 10 and 15. And you guys, guys like Pat Parfray, um, Joaquin Tuchelet has been all over the map in terms of, where he's he's played uh these types of players are so so useful for a team and you know coming in at you know at 23 years old still still a young guy i mean that boggles my mind when i hear myself calling a 23 year old year old young but uh i guess that's how time works you're, you're getting old then that's oh, just, I'm so old i know i'm starting to see some gray in that beard oh that's just from stress though that's not from uh what? What do you have to be stressed about? I have so much to be stressed about. 
so much. You're like, have you have you been outside the, this past yeah, two years, you, Derek? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, guys, I'm excited about this. Um, even if you just look at the fly half position, um, it's going to be very interesting going to the next little bit. We don't really, you know, there's been a lot of rumors about who's coming, who's staying. Um, but again, we don't know what that is. And so to have a Canadian fly half prospect in a professional setup is such a valuable asset for the future. And you know what? He's already comfortable with some of the guys on the team, you know, um, Giuseppe Detroit, Oli Knott, both are UVic products. They play with them, but you know, it's going to be nice having that familiarity with them. Um, I'm excited to see what this kid can do. I mean, again, here's a problem with, with any of the Canadian prospects in this draft. And I saw some people go, Oh, why didn't they pick this person? Why didn't they pick this person? Because we went a whole year without any collegiate rugby in Canada. Like we have no idea what they can do based on this calendar year. So you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about a fly half who really hasn't been able to play at all because they're such a skill-based position that I would want them to have the ball in their hands as much as possible. So hopefully he can uh, get involved with some preseason games or something like that because I know the fans are excited to see what he can offer. Yeah, I think um, – I, I like the pick. I think there's – there's a lot of benefits to it. Obviously, as you kind of said, like you keep a Canadian fly half in Canada in a Canadian professional setup. We've talked about it to no end about like fly half is a problem in Canada right now. Um, the position, especially for the national team right now, there's just not a whole lot. Um, and there's not a whole lot of Canadian fly halves playing in MLR right now. Obviously, you got Will Kelly. And then you got Robbie Povey playing in Houston. And, you know, sometimes he's fly half, sometimes he's fullback. Sometimes, you know, he's playing fly half, but maybe the, uh, Houston's offense this year was designed a little bit differently. And, you know, so you, we need more fly halves playing pro. And I think by making this pick, you, you can keep a guy, one within Canada, you can also – you know, have them training and start, hopefully start developing another fly half for the Canadian national team too. Um, and then obviously you said too, like the versatility is also key, right? Like if you can play multiple positions, you can start like Kelly or Malcolm or, um, and you know, when you, when you do that, like, you know, you can put him at, you know, center or fullback or wherever, if it's, you know, that helps him like ease his way into the lineup. And then if there's injuries to the other fly halves or, or, you know, if they otherwise can't play, you could put, um, like, you know, you could put Martin Martin Feek into that fly half spot and hopefully he'll excel. So it's like, I do, I do like the, I do, I do like the pick. I don't think there's anything wrong with going after a fly half in the first round either. Um, four fly halves total drafted to the, the uh, you know, during the, uh, the, uh, the draft this year. So, you know, it's a, uh, I like, I like the pick overall. Like, I mean, we'll talk, but we'll, I'll let, uh, or Stu, if you have anything to add on Martin Feek, I'll let you say that. And then we can kind of, I'll let you, you guys introduce like the next two picks and then uh, talk about kind of the overall. Yeah. We'll go over kind of the, of the draft, draft, here. draft for sure. Yeah. Um, so one thing that was brought up during the uh, draft was that um, Dan Power mentioned that uh, Taylor Adams may not be, 
returning to Toronto next season. Obviously, yeah. at the time of recording, nothing has been confirmed. But if that is the case, then obviously there is a um, boot that needs to be filled in uh, the Arrows' uh, backs. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be the first choice. Obviously, we have um, Will Kelly there, who's um, been away also with like the um, Canadian men's team as well. So, um, but, you know, he obviously has like, obviously if he's um, uh, been through with the UVic program with Giuseppe Dutrois, um, who's gone on to be temporary captain, especially in the last few games of the season. Um, so, and you're right, you need that backs partnership. Uh, it's what has been called like the spine. You need to have like the spine of the team. So it was the hooker, number eight, fly um, fly half and then fall back. And if you can have someone who can fill like both two of those positions, both of them in the backs, then that is going to ensure that your team is going to be very strong. And um, yeah, so I think when I first um, saw the draft, I did the same thing. It was like, oh, that's great. Who is this guy? But then again, <laughs> um I th- but to be honest, I did that like 39 times. I knew like none of these guys. My apologies. I'd just been um, going off the comments of, I think it was in the uh, MLR subreddit as well as the Arrows Up Facebook fan page and just like keeping my nose to the grindstone as much as I could. But, you know, if that is the case and um, then we definitely need uh, another um, kicking option, I'd say as well. Because I assume that if you're going to be the fly half or the full back, you have to at least have some potency with the boot, to say the least. Um, of course, I'm still waiting on the uh, inevitable uh, Lucas Rumble drop goal to occur <laughs> during one of these games. But oh, you know, in, in in the meantime, uh, I'm looking oh, forward to seeing uh, Logan Mine Feek. Uh, just wait till uh, just wait till uh, next week when he goes head to head with McGinty and beats him. Y'all stop laughing at me for saying that. Um, maybe uh, they'll pull a Sophie DeGoody and, and, and be the back row player who also kicks all the points. Yeah, but uh, he's going to do it in-game. It's all drop goals. He <laughs> just sits there, sits in the pocket, push, pushes, one, feels pe- good pushes Peter Nelson out of the way the whole game. I don't, I, listen, if I'm Peter Nelson, I'm letting Lucas Rimbaud do whatever he wants. Uh, okay, um, so with their second-round pick um, – the, uh, the Arrows picked Bryce Warren from um, University of British Columbia, the, the Thunderbirds. Uh, this is an interesting pick, mostly because he's six foot three, 260 pounds. It's absolutely wild. Um, but the other interesting thing is that he's 26 years old. Hmm. So, you know, this guy has already played um, high-level rugby in both Canada, uh, was part of the U-20 team in, 20, in 2015. Um that would make him older than like some guys on the national team right now, which is kind of wild. Um, played for Burnby Lake and then, and then moved and played it with the university of Auckland in New Zealand. Um, since returning to Canada, he's represented the BC Bears and the UBC Thund- Thunderbirds for the past three years. Um, it's really cool that he's also a Sus- Sussex uh, native from New Brunswick. So him and Cole Keith, uh, maybe this, maybe next year will uh, link up and uh, be clawing their trade together, which will be really exciting. And you know what? I, I talked about this from the Arrow season to end ended. They need depth at the prop position. And Bryce 
uh, can play both sides, which, you know, is a boon. Um, you kind of hope and get to the higher level that they'd specialize a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it was, uh, I think it's a really good pick. You're picking a guy who's 26 years old, again, has played U20s, has played in New Zealand, has played in Canada. This guy's going to hopefully, I mean, again, there was no UBC rugby other than maybe a little bit of club rugby to be had. So couldn't see a whole lot of them, but hopefully he might be someone that the arrows could plug straight into their lineup next year. Yeah. I, yeah. Dan, why don't you go ahead and uh, do the third pick too? Cause I think, uh, I think the, the combination of the two players works well to discuss together. So um, with, with their final pick um, the arrows kind of went on like, I'm not going to say that this guy doesn't have the same credentials as the others, which, uh, in reality, he doesn't. Um, Samuel Mace uh, from the University of Ottawa, uh, a hooker, uh, applied his trade with the Bytown Blues um, and then, you know, played with the Gigi's. So, you know, he doesn't have the same um, kind of track record or resume that the previous two picks have. But again, that's what the third round's for. Um, apparently a very athletic player. Um Again, big upside and can develop into an excellent player at the pro level, level according to Mark Winokur. So we, we talked about this. The depth at hooker and at prop just, you know, was worrisome this year. Had to make some calls to pull some people, you know, from other teams to help support that. Um, you know, we really don't know what the, the situation with the roster is going to look like next year. There were a couple of guys brought in near the end of the year that got a couple of chances to play. Um, but these two guys, if, if they show well, and they, you know, if we do have preseason games, they show well, show up in training camp, they might be pushing for roster positions depending on injury. I'm, I'm more personally, I'm, I'm more convinced that warden can and pop himself in the lineup than uh, I mean, uh, barring injury, it's kind of hard to say that Mace can take a position from Quatrain or McRogers, who both have had pretty successful pro rugby careers. But, you know, you never know. Yeah, I I think uh, like to talk about the Arrows draft kind of as an overall thing, I really like what the Arrows did. Um, you know, in the, you use the first round, you grab a fly half, which is always going to be a position of need. As we already kind of touched on, it's a position that is desperately needed within Canada that we need to develop. So that's a good thing. And then I think with the second two picks, you take Warden, you take Mace, you take a prop and a hooker, which were areas that, you know, there was a little bit of a lack of depth with with the squad during this season. Some of that was kind of brought with you know unforeseen circumstances and stuff you had Richie Asiata leave to the uh the Reds late in the uh, offseason there Stephen Ng suffered an injury and you know which appears to have also you know now that had, has been announced ultimately led to him retiring from professional rugby so you know the arrows were kind of left with for most of the year they had to roll with you know Quatrain and um, Quatrain and McRogers as the only two hookers up until Tomlinson showed up, right? So it was, you know, there was, there, there was that little bit of the need for like another, another hooker was definitely something that was needed on the team. As you kind of said, Dan, it's like, we'll see who, we'll see who, if everyone comes back or who doesn't come back if they, if they don't. But I think like 
by kind of, I think by looking at what the arrows took in taking um, a prop and taking a hooker, as well as taking a fly half too. Like, I think they address, directly address like what the team needs going forward. And, you know, this, you know, obviously drafting guys, it doesn't prevent them from signing anybody or anything too. So it's like, there could still be more props on the way. There could be more hookers on the way, but you know, in, in the immediate, like right now, it's, it, it tells me that it's like, they're looking at this team being like, we have to address something with the front row. And I think, I think they did well to do it here. Like you, you know, you, you're not going to be able to, you can't complain about what it is. I think it, there's, if you were to say like, what positions do the arrows need players at going into this draft front row would have been the top of the list. And they picked up two of their three picks for the front row guys and then, you know, you use your fourth overall pick, like, I mean, like what most teams do in other sports, you take a highly skilled guy early in the draft if you have that, like, top five pick, yeah. right? So take the top top five pick, use the later rounds to build the depth around your team and stuff. Um, I think, you know, we'll see where they end up slotting in the lineup. I don't see why they couldn't, they couldn't take a shot and have a crack at it. You know, a lot of, you know, going into 2019, a lot of the, uh, the arrows were coming at directly out of, uh, like, you know, playing U sports and stuff too. Right. So it's, I, I don't think it, so it'll be interesting to kind of see, we'll see who's still kicking around when they, they start announcing the signings for next year, see what the competition for warden and for Mace actually does end up looking like, but um, you know, it definitely, I think the picks ultimately, I think they make the team better and they add a lot of depth to what the Toronto arrows need. Uh, and as we kind of saw this year, you know, the only times they ever had to kind of get loans for players and stuff, there was two guys in the front row too, right? So it's, um, they were able to, you know, I, although that's a tough comparison because we all know how crazy this year has, this year was oh, and how for difficult sure, it for was. Sure. So, you know, that's maybe a little bit of a, yeah, in know, any other digressing year a little probably, bit on that point, but. Yeah, in any other year they could just go, all right, what's the local, yeah. the closest club team? Let's sign a guy for but, a day contract. Yeah, right? exactly. But I think like there's there's no sense in uh, you know if you have four hookers, you know if Tomlinson does come back, if McRogers, Spotter, and Tomlinson all come back, that's a lot of you know quality guys for uh, Mace to learn under. And then see, I mean, same if the uh, the chunk, uh, big chunk of the uh, the props come back too, it'll be a lot of great guys for uh, Warden to kind of learn under. Warden, as you did say, is 26, so maybe he's a little bit more mature, maybe perhaps a little bit more uh, MLR ready. Um, just because of his age there. And I think that's so tricky. And Stu, I want to get your thoughts about, about all these picks um, before we move on. But I think that's going to be so tricky about, about this draft is how are we really going to know who's MLR ready? You know, and I think that, I think that, that pe- the picks this year reflected that is there might've been some guys that were left on, on the, on off the table that might've had a little bit more flash, but I think a lot of player, a lot of teams went with guys that were MLR ready or as close to as they would have hoped. Yeah, and that might be a boon for some guys. Some guys might now get the flexibility of signing wherever they want, and it might be, you know, they might show up some people with a with a little bit of time. But you know, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's been like everyone's been put in like a difficult position because of current world situation. So. You know, um, I'll be honest though. Um, looking at uh, Bryce Warden, I think any proximity to a New Zealand rugby pitch just improves your rugby IQ by ten points minimum. 
Like you could be strolling on the, you could be strolling, you could be cycling on the sidewalk near the pitch, instantly a better player. Um, so being on the pitch is obviously an incredible step to take. And, you know, obviously um, my knowledge of the um, university program in New Zealand is as well as the university program in Canada, which is next to nothing. Um, but, you know, you're right. Having these guys have had to go with what they know, the experience that is available um, from these players. And so that's why you look at um, Warden and you think like, oh, yes, of course. How could you not pick this guy? He has the uh, great resume. He's um, obviously a bit older than other picks uh, being at 26, but with um, age comes experience as well. Um, you know, even just uh, three years playing with BC Bears and the Thunderbirds alone would set him apart. Um and you, and you also have the experience of um, uh, Ben Lesage and Tyler Rowland going through similar programs as well. And that's then adding New Zealand experience on top of that. Yeah. The, and then you're right. It is a bit of an issue because, you know, we're even looking at, I'm looking at the Toronto Arrows um, press release and there's like this big paragraph of all of um, Bryce's experience and where he's played for before. And for Samuel Mace, there's only two lines. So, again, not much to go off of them, but that's the thing. Is in When it comes to any draft, um, especially from, um, you know, to use a hockey metaphor, I know that there's an NHL draft and there's been um, the supplementary draft for the um, Kraken. See, I am becoming more Canadian. I'm it's learning ex- more about... It's an expansion draft, Stu. It's not a supplementary is, draft. Well, it's supplementary to the <laughs> original draft. So, you know... No, because they do this draft first. They did the expansion draft first. Oh, well, it's not. You know, uh, well, you, I'm, you're close, I'm getting, though. I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting you're close. close. I'm, not, I'm not completely Canadian, but um, you're I'm close. getting there. Anyway, you got, the, if, you want, if you want to be, though, this is on the citizenship test. Okay, good. Is yeah. current NHL storylines. Okay, all right. I'll keep oh that in mind. Um, well, when it comes, but obviously, it's the issue of no matter how much experience these guys have, none of it's been professional experience. And we can go back and forth wow. of like, what is the overlap between um, collegiate sports compared to professional sports? Um, but obviously, when it comes to something like rugby, um, a full contact sport there is a um, considerable difference between um, collegiate. And this is both in uh, Canada and I know in the UK and um, professional or even semi-pro. So, um, but Samuel Mace obviously has the backing of Winneker. So, you know, we can say what we'd like about Samuel Mace before he blocks us on all social media. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. You, you guys are the ones that are like, you seem concerned. I'm not, I'm not even wrong. saying he's bad. I'm just saying I haven't been able to see anything at think, this point. I think that's the one thing that, like I said last week, I think is going to be the best part about the MLR draft is I think it's going to dramatically increase people's interest in you know, youth sports rugby and U.S. collegiate rugby. I think it's going to skyrocket sure. the interest in that. I will mention 
is that if you on I'm sure it was um, shared on like, the Arrows uh, social media accounts was um, the reactions from all these players on getting drafted to yeah. the Toronto Arrows Super and cool. that was that was great to see that was great um, to have like friends and families around and I've seen from other drafts things like NHL draft the NFL draft um, that having that reaction having that um, you know close knit uh, community of support. Yeah, you know, that's always going to be benefit. That's always going to be great to see. That's always going to be beneficial to have. And, you know, and that's the thing is in, you know, not everyone can be drafted as was proven um, with only 39 athletes from, I think it was like over 160 um, in the draft. But, you know, it, that adds, to, it adds to the drama, doesn't it? No. It, it, does, uh, it does. I mean, for everybody that doesn't get drafted, it's like that doesn't stop you. Like, your oh yeah, it doesn't oh, stop sure. here. Like, it's, sure. it's it's not the end of the road. Yeah, exactly. You you keep going. Like, I mean, I think I think three rounds is is a nice area to be at right now. Um, but you know that, that it is going to open the door for a lot of guys that didn't go on drafts. You can still sign with teams as a free yeah, agent. Exactly. You can still do all that. Um, it gives you, you know, more flexibility. Studio like. What, I mean, I'm actually kind of curious because you keep bringing up all these other drafts and stuff. And I know like, as somebody that, you know, has moved over here from Europe where they don't really do drafts of any kind for their sports, um, as far as I know, for any sports leagues that are over there. It's like, what do you, what do you kind of think of the concept having been like, you know, exposed to it over here and now seeing it in MLR? Well, I think it's very interesting. I think it definitely builds into... Um, the North American style of sports, because I think one of the big things that MLR has to do is just not be a carbon copy of what's going on in Europe, because, you know, what works in Europe doesn't necessarily work in North America. Similar as, uh, you know, the idea of like super rugby teams doesn't um, gel as well in North America as, as much. And especially from a sport that is, a minority sport in North America, that familiarity um, will obviously pay dividends um, years and decades down the line. Um, I've got to admit, I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, uh, I, I paid attention to the draft uh, last year as well, not as um, committed to it when they said there were going to be no Canadian athletes, even though a Canadian athlete did get signed for a team. But let's not go into that. Um, so. I was more attentive this time round. I think from a presentation perspective, um, there's still some work to be done, some things that can be polished. Um, uh, I think that certain things uh, did work well, like having um, the commissioner, George Killebrew, read off the announcements, as well as explaining when a trade had happened and why as well. I thought that was very helpful. Um, but yeah, as in, you know, it's only the second draft, you know, things to work on for the 2022 draft. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, and I'm not expecting it to be like the expansion draft where we have a <laughs> stage set up and there's fireworks going off and all the players are coming out with uh, Kraken t-shirts or <laughs> anything along those lines. Um, yeah. I did like the fact that there were a few players there and um, George Killebrew yeah. handed over like a cap of the team as well. Yeah, all the Lindenwood guys. They were I, all Lindenwood the, guys. See, that's an interesting thing, right? Is because the the MLR has done two drafts now 
And both of those drafts have taken place during a pandemic. So it's like, I wonder, you know, hopefully this, this whole mess is behind us soon. Um, but I wonder like, you know, if you go into next year, you know, you can maybe make a little bit more of a show a show of it because you can fly. Yeah. yeah probably fly more really guys nice. in, maybe get all the teams into one room instead of um, I actually don't know how they did this. I'm assuming it was a Zoom call of some sort. Um, but I, I did enjoy that. Even just a small auditorium, yeah. like yeah, where they could like have that. have the, the um have the, the uh, yeah. commissioner up there just kind of given like a yeah. hat or something. You know, well, it'd be really cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious to see what they do, how they do it once they get out of the pandemic. I did see like, you know, some people saying that um, like, you know, some, some of the picks went by really quickly. And I have sat and thought about that. And this clearly beats the nine hours that it takes the NHL to do a draft. <laughs> Like clearly, I would much rather. Yeah, just, I, I, would I would much rather say, watch the hour and a half that we watch. I would argue. I would agree with you in the in the sense of, I would like to see less of the commissioner talking, shaking hands, or whatever kind of bit. No, I don't mind. I just no, no. I but like, like I, I felt like the broadcasting side of it was a little bit rushed. Oh, it's I, probably a and time but they're on their time constraint of yeah, they probably only had so much I, time I, and they had I to did. get things done. But you know what? Even at that, man, like it's like, did you watch the NHL draft this year? It sucked, man. It's just no, it's a slog, dude. Yeah, no, it's a slog, man. Like it's hard. It's hard to get through. Like it's, no, it I, feels like a chore to watch some of those drafts. This did not feel like a chore. But like, this was, this was thing, entertaining. Is, is for the, the NHL draft is is the is worst live. run draft? Is live. The, it's like, a seven round watch, draft and it's live. That's the watch. Difference. Watch the NBA draft. Or the NFL draft. Those are pretty yeah. entertaining. All right, guys. So let's move on because uh, there were some other Canadian picks. Um, LA picked James O'Neill, a flanker from UVic. Uh, he nice. is That's a good pick. Very, very good pick. Um, Brian Ray called him the uh, steal of the draft. Former Canadian under-20 captain. Um, <laughs> LA describes him as an aggressive breakdown specialist. Um, this is a guy that... That's, that's accurate. That is an accurate yeah. description. He is fighting for a <laughs> Canada jersey. Like this guy wants to be in the in the red and white. You know, he's going to have some stiff competition, especially at the flanker position. What's to say, dude? Canada's got some sick open side flankers. Yeah. If we, but you know what? We just need to figure out the LA. other positions, and we'll be fine. Especially since you know, and, and LA is an interesting. I think they. That's had why a I'm really saying Lucas Rumble can play fly half. We have other flankers. No. <laughs> I I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that um, LA had a very strong draft. I mean, their prop uh, that they picked with their first pick, Sam Kilmkowski, is just an absolute monster. Six foot one, two hundred and seventy pounds. Just absolutely huge. Um, his, his name makes him sound big. Yeah, like, like he, he just destroyed yeah. like the, the combine. Uh, like <laughs> that guy was a beast. And then they get James O'Neill, a different type of beast. Yeah. And then they finish it off with a um, a South African product who's also another flanker. And again, we don't really know what their roster is going to look like. If Poitavin, uh, you know, yeah. it, Cottrell back. So having young pieces is going to be it's a good, great man. benefit to, to LA. Who are L- LA, LA had a really good draft for having the last pick. 
Yeah. It was, yeah. So it was pretty good um, from what I've, yeah. But um, I love, love the, before we get to the other Canadian though, uh, like, yeah, love seeing James O'Neill go. I was it, like, it, it's cool to see a couple teams taking shots at the kit or, you know, shots on the Canadian guys from the Canadian schools and stuff. Um, it would be great if uh, O'Neill and then Emerson Pryor, who I'll let Dan intro a little bit later, rocking his uh, Trent U shirt right now on the podcast. You can Trent, probably, U, Trent U rugby, baby. Trent U rugby. There you Look go. Look at that. This is this is vintage. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it vintage? Is it is it an old logo or is it just vintage because you played for them like years ago? Uh, it's vintage because like, yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's. Frig, when did I go to school? Twenty twelve. Oh, there you go. So. Yeah, so it's like so that's cool, and it's like honestly, I hope I hope O'Neill and Pryor kill it, and it open and then all the other like you know American teams be like, yeah, okay, let's start drafting all these Canadian guys. Um, well, yeah, so I I hope I like that'll be fun. I think there might maybe there perhaps maybe there's still like a little bit of a slight visa concern and stuff, and maybe that hinders some Canadians going south. But yeah, James honestly, James O'Neill just seems like he's too good of a player to pass up. So. Glad uh, it's nice to see LA take a shot on them. And Dan, I'll let you, I'll in, let you introduce uh, some of the Trent U lads here. Yeah, so um, Utah with their final pick picked Emerson Pryor. Um, Emerson's from Kingston, Ontario. Um, again, Trent University uh, uh, graduate. Played with a little bit with the Peter Pagans. Uh, I've been I've been tackled in drills. I've scrummed against this guy. He hurts. He is a great ball carrier for a guy his size. I think one of the really cool things about Emerson is that he already has preseason MLR experience. He was part of the Ontario Blues team that went down and played against Old Glory. So this guy has already played against some guys that have played in MLR. So he's got U20 Canada experience. He's played with the Pacific Pride. He's um, you know, he's kind of done it all. If you're, if you're checking off all of the um, boxes in terms of what you want from a draft pick, he's got it all. Like he's, that's, he's checking off all these amazing check boxes. And, and what else can I say about him? He's, he's such a strong ball carrier for, for a prop. And I think that Utah has got some strong front row players. You know, you think of Malalo, Paul Mullen, um, McClellan, the guy is going to uh, just soak up all this information, become a better scrummager, better ball carrier. And I know there are some people that were kind of upset to see him leave the, the arrows. He's part of the arrows academy. That's another thing I forgot to mention. Like the guy has, has set himself up well. So I'm excited to see what he can do with Utah. I mean, again, it might be hard to, for him to crack the, uh, the lineup with with some of those guys but just take it in soak it all up i don't really know if there's much more to say about emerson i'm excited to see this kid play yeah i'm looking at uh warriors's website and um so this is what uh sparks has said um emerson was the steal of the draft in my opinion and we are excited to have him here in utah and support his ambitions of being a canadian international always good to hear um there is no better place in north america to apply your trade as a forward than working with sean Pittman here in the beehive state 
Okay, I I might say like being with the arrows may be a bad thing, but you know, as in it's their website, they can say whatever they like. Um, his size, return to action speed, film and interview impressed us and made it an easy decision to draft him here. So, and you know, I think this is the thing of obviously um, with only three uh, three rounds available, and I believe um, James Dealey uh, did the work and found there were sixteen Canadians in the draft. Obviously, 16 doesn't go into three. So you can't have all the picks you want. However, um, you know, I think this is a great opportunity um, to join the one of the MLR um, uh, finalists uh, for 2021 and, you know, apply the trade. Obviously, the Warriors have made um, huge leaps and bounds in the past season. I'm hoping they'll um, be able to continue it in the West for next season. And obviously uh, Pryor can get that experience and, you know, we can see him in a few games, either off the bench or starting. And, you know, we'll see him in the uh, red and black of Utah for now, and hopefully the red and white of Canada in the not too distant future. Or red and black, depending on what jersey they're wearing. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Now I went through the archives and I want, I want to share with you guys a photo of, of, of little Dan applying his trade in the preseason with, with Trent. And uh, it is a doozy. I won't share it with everybody. I'll share it with you guys. Cause it's no, a pretty funny share looking it with photo. everybody. What are you doing? Share well, it. I can't cause you've blocked shares. I can't share oh, my screen. Hold on. I'm going to unblock that. What is you should be good now. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Let the, you gotta give the people what they want here. Look at adorable little Dan. On the support oh. line, <laughs> right there. I was gonna say I'm trying to like find in my you high school there. shorts. There you go. Yeah, wow, wow. You do know Derek's now gonna take this and make this the uh, oh, oh for background. sure. I so, hope he does. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's my it's only claim to fame. Happen. I was then immediately cut it's after. An this interesting, game. interesting tackle technique. Demonstrate. Pull that picture back up, though. <laughs> I know it's a oh. good support line, but it's. <laughs> I was immediately cut after this game, so I'm not gonna put too much oh, talk right. into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an you know what tackle technique. I, I do want to take a second though to kind of talk about how come um, how come nobody on the white team here has has matching socks or gear uh, because this all. was just a preseason game, so you oh, kind of wore sorry. whatever you brought, right? They gave oh, you the jersey, and that was about it. I see, I see. So yeah, that's why I'm wearing my high school short uh, shorts and and uh, socks. But I, bright I, I red do, socks. Yeah, I do want to kind of uh, shout out the, the Trent University program because, as you can see in this photo, you see it's it's got the little OCAA logo. So when I uh, first started going to Trent, um, it was not part of the OEUA program at all. It was it was in the I don't know. It, for anyone who's not part of Ontario rugby or is not a fan of it or doesn't follow it. There really isn't divisions. There's just the, the Ontario University Association and then the Ontario Collegiate Athletics Association. So all of the colleges are, I guess, um, what would be the best comparison in the States to a college? Um, a community college. Thank you. Uh, wife in the background. Um, <laughs> but the OCAA co covers uh, all of the community colleges in Ontario. And then there's also small, some of the small universities that have either struggled or just don't have enough numbers to 
put a varsity program in the OUA. So Trent was one of those schools for the longest time. Um, and their rugby team in the OUA was kind of just a party team. Uh, and then there was kind of a change in culture and new head coach, uh, Dave McCauley. Um, I was, I was, in, he coached me near the end of his, his time with Trent um, whipped that program into shape and they were medal competitors in my last year of school. My roommates all won the gold medal uh, within the OCAAs. And then the year after they were promoted to the OUAs and uh, a new head coach in Tom McLeod kind of took that program and, and kept it going with some young, young players like Emerson Pryor. And, you know, for the first time in Trent's history, they made the playoffs for the OUAs. I, I believe in their like last season, they even made it to the, the second round of the playoffs. So, you know, to see what this program has gone from when I was, you know, briefly involved with it to where, you know, it was pre-pandemic. It, it is a quite amazing story. And I hope that uh, anyone that's interested in going to school at Trenton as a rugby player, take the program seriously. They are uh, a really, really fantastic coaching staff. And also, I mean, it's playing rugby at one of the most beautiful universities, I would say, in the country. So you know, enjoy your time if you, if you go there. Uh, all right, guys, overall kind of thoughts about the draft. I mean, we kind of talked about the broadcast. Um, we've kind of talked about kind of the weird drafts that weren't kind of announced. Were there any teams that you kind of said, hey, I think that they had a good draft looking at overall picks that they made? Um, I know for myself, I think C Seattle had a pretty good draft. Um, they went all backs, but I think that they kind of picked some players that are going to help them short-term and long-term. I mean, they picked us. Their first pick was uh, Tavate uh, Lopetti, um, an inside center, which they love their centers there, but mm -hmm. this kid looks like he's going to be a player. You know, he was a collegiate All-American, scored a try against the Canadian University All-Stars. Um, you know, he knows Aaron Matthews at uh, – Aaron Matthews, Henry Hall, and uh, Mongoloa at Seattle. So, again, we've talked about synergy within a team from coming from college. If you got Aaron Matthews and Lapetti as your either fly half center or center center, and then you got uh, Lauti as well, you got those three guys as a part of your back line. And then sprinkling guys like Ross Neal, um, I think that that set them up well. Daryl Williams, a wing from life. He had a good, uh, good, good couple seasons, um, and then and then a scrum half, Ethan Scott, who also has been playing some pretty good rugby, University of Memphis. I like what they've done. I like that they're kind of going hard on. Maybe they've seen some discrepancies in how their their backs have played. They got some good veteran pieces, and they're starting to plug in some young guys. If they can only just stay healthy in the pack. This might be the up and up for, for Seattle. Um, but were there any teams that you guys kind of looked at and said, I like what they did? Uh, yeah, I man, we can return to, uh, you know, after you just spent all the time waxing poetic about uh, Trent University there, I understand uh, what, glory uh, days. I un understand what uh, Brandon Sparks may, may have seen in that school. And I, I think U Utah, I thought, had a, you know, had a, a strong draft as well. Like they took, you know, Joey back in the uh, the first round and then, the second round is, you know, fullback Connor Burns, who was a, you know, Schultz Award nominee 
you know, this year. And, you know, you got him in the second round and then, you know, third round, you're picking up, you know, uh, one of the bright young Canadian players. So, so like, that's pretty solid. I do as Dallas being an expansion team. Um, I really like one, obviously they had the first overall pick Eric Naposki full back from UCLA. Um, so congrats to him. He, uh, hopefully, you know, Connor Mooneyham kind of gives you a lot to live up to though. So, uh, hopefully you can, uh, you know, show up next year and, uh, kind of, you know, keep this uh, tradition of solid first overall picks going. Um, but they, they also, you know, they made a trade. They got two picks in the first round. So they took a decor Davis. So they took a prop there. Um, they also took Aaron Gray, Alejandro Torres and Calvin uh, Gentry. So a wing. So they got a fullback, a wing, a fly half, a center and a prop. And I mean, who knows who's on their roster? They haven't really said much of anything yet. So um, you know, if you're going to start building, if you have to build a team from scratch, I just think, you know, if acquiring five picks in the draft is probably a decent enough start for it. Um, lots of, uh, lots of backs though. So maybe they got to, uh, you know, look, look to their, uh, their off season signings and stuff for a cup for some forwards, certainly. But I think, I think overall, I think, you know, just, just the fact that they picked up five picks, um, I, I think is, uh, you know, if you're, a first year team, you have to build a roster from essentially from scratch. Like, I think, um, I think that's the way to go for Dallas. So good, good for them. Just on the sheer quantity of picks they were able to obtain in this draft. So um, between uh, the first pick and the third uh, pick, I'm going to go with the second pick and um, the Sabercats. I think that, well, first of all, their first two picks, Emmanuel Albert, and um, Tanati Mushena, uh, both uh, two of the five Lindenwood uh, picks. So, and they are, if I can get the information correctly, uh, flanker and number eight. And then you look at their third pick of Dylan Shotwell uh, from Sam Houston State um, as a hooker. So it looks like they're um, using their new picks to um, you know, imp- change up their pack. And so maybe that could come change with set pieces. We've yet, we'll obviously see in the uh, preseason and next season. Um, but obviously, having two players from the same uh, university team, that's got to have some net positive in that. Um, you know, if they've come through the same university program together, now going into MLR, they'll be able to work together and improve their professional. Um, professional experience as a combined unit. Um, obviously, Sabercats uh, do have um, the big change being at their uh, director of rugby so far. So, you know, getting uh, young guy, young American guys in, um, you know, hopefully this can be the start of the revitalization of the Sabercats. And um, come the 2022 uh, season, we'll be able to see that this was like the starting point of something great that we're about to witness in the West. All right, guys, well, let's, let's move on because. Are you guys um, just uh, refreshing rugby Canada's Twitter? I am. I'm, I'm obsessed (laughs) with trying to make, figure out if they're going to post this. You're just like, ah, like let's, let's do this before the podcast. I'm hoping maybe like they'll do it like, just a few minutes as we're about to finish, they'll have it, have it come out because it's... I don't know. It's like, I, as of right now, I feel like I'm just like 
you know, because uh, Swiler's Rugby Club posted all the pics of training. And I feel like I'm just like combing through the images, like people watching the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, <laughs> trying to figure out. It's like, oh, is that it's like, what what movie is that? Is that the lizard from The Amazing Spider-Man or is that the or is it Venom? Yeah, is, is that Carnage? Venom there? Yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, it could, maybe it's Scorpion. Why is there only five villains in it? Who's the sixth guy? Who's nobody this, wants yeah. nobody wants the weird Paul Giamatti mech rhino to come back. So, like, maybe it's not him. Well, maybe it is, but it's actually more comic book accurate. And that's all I want, yeah. man. Just you know, put, imagine Paul Giamatti, but like a Bane version of Rhino. I was gonna say, like, just put a big guy in like a rhino pajamas onesie. That's all I want. Just Apparently, though, they're not going to use props for Doc Ock's claws like they did in Spider-Man 2. So, what are they going to use? CGI. Oh, CGI. Oh, that makes that probably makes sense. I mean, we have the. Technology. Is he going to talk to them like they're pets? Is what I want to know. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, he probably listen I think he to probably me. No. Well, that's the interesting thing. Do you go with like because the end of the movie and Spider-Man 2 was a little bit of a redemption thing for him. Or does he stay evil? Or is this just all because the trailer too was like the multiverse? So is it even the same Doc Ock? Yeah, it might be a completely different might Doc be Ock. A completely different Doc Ock, right? You have no. All right, let's stop. Well, welcome to the Rouge Rugby no, a podcast it. about rugby. Hey, man! Aside from the draft, this was clearly the most interesting thing that happened this week. Uh, Record-setting trailer. It's the most like we have some departures to announce in the Toronto Arrows. Yeah. In all seriousness, we do have a couple of players that we want to acknowledge, some original arrows. Um, Stephen Ng retires from pro rugby, um, and it, it is quite a sad story. You know, you never want to see a guy leave because of, you know, injury or, or, or you know, what have you. But uh, Stephen Ng has been kind of a part of the arrows landscape since its inception, um, you know. His plans, he will currently play recreationally with the Ontario, with the Ottawa Scottish. And he's currently training to be a chef. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, next step for Stephen. We want to wish you the best. Um, I can still remember watching that 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 try against the Legion. That I was going to say, yeah. Everybody's going to remember that say, as, yeah, as absolutely his. Absolutely legendary try against the yeah. Legion, yeah. That's like, that's one of the best tries like in Arrow's history is the whole way that that, uh, that entire play shaped out. Oh, I think ridiculous lineout steal from Colby Francis to set that up the yeah uh, the moments before too. I, I think one of the things to forget it, um, that sorry that has been forgotten in the build up to that game was that this was um, the Arrows's third. They had um, had two wins on the road. San Diego was coming in with six wins. The last loss had been against the Arrows in San Diego. Yeah. So this was. It was like whoever whoever wins for the speed redemption for San Diego, and it was a tough contest. Like anyone who was there was like going back and forth throughout the match, and it was only in the final few minutes. Stephen and the ball found the spot, sniped it in, got the win. Fantastic, and yeah, he started um, all every twenty. I don't know if he started, but sorry, he played. He played on every game of 2019 and the uh five games of 2020 so it is a shame to see him yeah. um, hang up the boots but obviously we have to think of like long-term health and long-term wealth as it appears um hopefully um 
You can find uh, Stephen in the kitchen at In Cuisine in Ottawa. So next time any of us are in the capital city, we'll have to make a beeline for exactly. In Cuisine. Um, another Arrows player will also be kind of leaving the rugby pitch. Um, Leandro Livas is leaving the Arrows for Polo. Um, if anyone follows him on Instagram, uh, you can tell he's an avid polo player, and I guess he's going to make make the switch to kind of focus this as his primary career. Um, Levis has kind of been on the backswing of his career to begin with. You know, hasn't really been playing for Uruguay. He's not really the first choice winger for the Arrows. So, you know, I guess that this is a great way to look at stock of your options and say, is rugby still doing it for me? You know, do I want to kind of risk my body the way rugby asks you to risk is, is it? Is polo less physical than rugby? <laughs> polo well, you're, you're not hard, the, dude. You're, you're not the one running around. It's the horse yeah. that's running if around. If the horse start learning to tackle, easy. then maybe I'll be a little bit more worried about my... I don't, I don't, I don't think he also has a helmet on. At the end of the day, oh. if he falls, he still has a helmet. Yeah, he you might get trampled. Hel- you know why they wear helmets? Because it's dangerous. That's why you... <laughs> um, uh, no, so you want to listen... Go ahead, Dan. Go. I was say we want to uh, wish uh, Leandro the best. Uh, he has just been an absolute electric player to watch. Uh, you know, has one of the meanest stiff arms in MLR, and uh, he excited a lot of players with a lot of tries. And you know what? He was just a nice guy. Like, he was yeah. just a nice guy on on social media in person. You know, let's just say yeah, he was with the fans, which is great. Yeah, we. Uh, I did like a long like form kind of like interview with him and Gaston Mirez when they were here in their first year. And uh, yeah, just, just an awesome guy to like hang out and talk to uh, had a couple, you know, like post-match pints with them and stuff after the game. And he's just, you know, every, every, every con- I feel like he's one of those guys that's like, you know, every conversation kind of, you know, you're the, it's uh, lots of people smiling when they're around him. And uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, 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 I guess like I'm sad that he's uh, you know, won't be back with the arrows next year, but you know, I'm like if if anybody's gonna make me watch polo, it's gonna be Leandro Levis. So um, I can now officially name one one polo player in the world, and it's him. So um, wish him, like you said, wish him all the best of luck. Um, he also scored one of I uh, probably like a great arrows try that one against Austin, where uh, he just kind of they had Marcelo, uh, Marcelo Torrealba playing fullback for some unspe- un- unknown reason. And, they just uh, needed a warm body. That, yeah, that, exactly. That, and it was just like, whew. like, yeah, he probably because one, it was a crazy offload to even set it up. I think it was, I think it was Windsor, Sean Windsor. I think gave him a nasty little offload to set to just put him into space. And then it was just him and Tori Alba, um, or perhaps I'm misremembering who that Austin fullback was. But either way, and it was just like just ran him over, like just a speed bump. Um, so I thought, you know, that was a great try. He's obviously scored a handful of other, like, really great tries throughout uh, throughout his time in Toronto as well. But, um, you know, there's just a couple that stick out more than others. But, yeah, man, wish wish him all the best. The, uh, you know, he, he will – he'll I think he'll uh, he'll be missed on the squad, man. It seemed like he was a, a really popular player amongst this. For sure. Teammates. I do have – I found this um, interview that um, – uh, Lavis gave about his polo career. Um, so it was like 10 questions. Number six is do any of your rugby teammates follow you with polo or are you the weirdo? And his answer was my rugby friends follow me. They see me happy and they accompany me, but they don't play here. 
um, here being Toronto. Sorry, so Wait, so, where, where is this interview from? So this is from Prenza Polo. It's actually linked in the um, America's Rugby News article okay. about uh, Labour switching from rugby to polo. Okay. Um, so like here in Toronto, I lived with a teammate, Taylor Adams, who's from New Zealand and had never been on a horse. One day we went to the field together. We made him climb. He played polo and he had a lot of fun. Whenever he can, he comes to watch me play. And this just speaks to like the rugby dynamic of, you know, teammates on the field and teammates off the field as well, or on a different field in this case <laughs> with polo. Um, however, the article does start with when I finished my career, I want to dedicate dedicate myself fully to polo um now while he hasn't um confirmed that he is retiring from rugby this may be the biggest indicator that he yeah. may he's not be. on he's not on uruguay's rugby yeah squad um, qualifying squad right now as was mentioned is that um he scored 23 t uh, tries in tests, including a hat trick in the win over chile during the 2010 south american championship um, so, and he's been selected for both the 2015 and 2019 Rugby World Cups. Um, if this is uh, the last we've ever seen of uh, Lavis in uh, the rugby boots instead of uh, the stirrups, then uh, thank you for a illustrious career. Thank you for everything um, with the Toronto Arrows. Um, and you will be missed. Um, some big shoes to fill and... Um, some dust trails to uh, be left behind that have to be emulated. But bring the horse you. on to the rugby pitch after, oh, and God. have him come back with the horse no. on the wing. I, I believe the uh, free jacks have the uh, market on uh, horses uh -huh. uh, galloping up and down the pitch at the moment. So, <laughs> all right, guys. So we've got uh, a couple more things to talk about before we wrap up. Uh, so the Premier Sevens have been busy little beavers. I think is the best way to kind of. Uh, look at it and we're going to start with kind of the the, the first bit of news is they announced their names yeah. of their teams yes they did yes they did and i, I i'm because i'm the host i want to give my opinion first then you guys can have at her i like i i'm split 50 50 i think i need to pull can you i want to say it as remind the listeners but it's really remind me um, what what are the six team names again? Okay, there are the Experts Rugby Club, there okay. are the Headliners Rugby Club, there's the Local Sevens Rugby Club, Logger Loggerheads Rugby, the Loonies Rugby Club, and Team Rugby Club Team RC. Which is All the right, most thank you, thank you. So, for me, I like the Headliners. I like the guitar and stuff like that. I believe they are. I gotta pull it up. I believe they're the Central Team. Um, yeah, so um, this is from the article um, from Wigan uh, the Mid South Region Enterprises. So, yeah, it's the Mid that makes South. sense. So, yeah, I, I like that the, uh, the, the headliners, the loggerheads, and the loonies, I think, are all great names, even local sevens. Ride with New York New Yorkers. I, I'm I'm I wonder if there's a, a seven rail or something like that in New York that's popular. The team, really, guys, like <laughs> that is so lazy. And like, I have no problem what? with the team is the best one. No, it's not. It's, it's got a cool one. logo, and that's why you like it, Derek. What? It's so ridiculous. Their logo's horses. 
It's great. No, but it's a cool like shield that they've got. Yeah, Listen, no, the logo is great. It's the name. The name. I think that's the. I, I have no the problem. I, I saw people complaining about the fact that they don't have like actual cities attached to them. Yeah, they're not playing. Look up anything. Yeah, look up anything about esports. Look up the esports um, have a lot of team name associated. The NBA 2K League, those are they're all the, this actual sport, like the actual sport ones, but any of the like first person shooter ones don't. I don't um, yeah, or I don't, the lacrosse league that 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 kind of travels around from it does the same the thing. Yeah, I don't think they do they the exact that. same thing. So I'm not that uh, what's it? Uh, Ice Cubes League, the three on three on three. I don't think they have city names either. Yeah, the what is it? The big three. Obviously, they you know, and it's the hard. Team like, is the best name on here. Just the team, it's amazing. Uh, do do you think? Do they have to say it like the Ohio State University? Like the Team the, Rugby Club. Yeah, the, like the Team Rugby Club is amazing. No, it's not. It's almost it's almost redundant. Ah, oh, it's delightful. I love it. I just you like, it. like you like it because other people don't, and you are. Uh, no, like, could you, could you imagine like the, the players on on the team explaining? It's like, oh yeah, like I'm a professional rugby player. It's like, oh, uh, which team do you play for? Yes. But is this going to, <laughs> going to become a who's on stage joke every time oh, they play? Yeah, yeah, it's going to. Be. Yeah, and, everyone's going to be like, uh, who uh, who won the championship this year? The team. The yes, team which one? The team. <laughs> yeah, which one? No, the team. It's a bit that would last a year, and then no, it's going to be like, great. Okay, it's still like, I'm done right. with this. I love, uh, I love it so much. It's, gr- so, it's great. Loonies so is, is good. I like Loonies. Loonies is cool. Yeah. I don't, so this I don't is the break. This is the breakdown of all the teams. So the Loonies, unsurprisingly, will hail from the north. The team is Texas and the Plains. Loggerheads um, will be Cascadia. The locals will ride with New Yorkers. The experts will emerge from the Mountain West. And the headliners identify with the Mid-South. This is from the PR7's um, official press release. Um, but something else to mention is that the headliners, loonies, loggerheads, and experts will launch men's and women's squads as well. Team and locals will debut with men's teams, and hopefully they can add the women's teams for next season. You don't yeah. like the team, Dan. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It's better Are than you... rugby ATL. No. Yeah, it's that's better. No, it's better. It's at not, least it's, it's not at least better. they tried. At least they ATL fans complained to Derek Brissett on Twitter. Yeah. How do we feel? How, do you how think do we... calling a team Team RC is trying hard, trying more than Rugby ATL? Do you actually yeah. believe that? Yeah, so we're talking about it more than Rugby ATL. ATL is just it. what it is. I can't believe it. We talked this much about Rugby ATL. No. Are we saying that 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 because we talk so much about the Guiltini's name, it's a good name? If we're going off of that oh. based off that metric, I, then you got you got to admit falls. people were looking at this being like, oh, like I don't feel as bad about the Guiltini's anymore. Yes, but that's not a. Good <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> oh, man. oh god. Okay, you know what? we're moving on because that that is all I can say about that. Before I start getting a migraine and we end this this show early, I think though. It, I will say this though, it's the same thing as Giltini skill gronies and all that. It's like the name of the team doesn't matter as much as what you do with the name of the team. Yeah. Right. So if, if you can if you can crush the branding and the way you market these individual teams, then it's better. If the branding and the marketing of the individual teams and stuff or of Premier Sevens in general, if that sucks, then the names are gonna suck. Yeah. All of them will stink. Um, a little bit more news from uh, the Premier Sevens is 
and this is actually kind of a nice boon for them is that um, the USA rugby saying has sanctioned the premier sevens, um, which is a great step in kind of legitimizing what they're trying to do. I mean, (laughs) in real, all reality, uh, USA rugby doesn't have a whole lot of money to throw their weight around and support team programs, but you know what, if there's some talent that they have ID'd, or they, they, the, you know, guys from the, the sevens program that they want to have play more rugby, they're going to go to the premier sevens and go here, take this kid, have him play. And that's just going to be a good relationship for both, both parties. In my opinion, I mean, I could be completely wrong and USA also, uh, rubs in, its dirty that, bad luck on them. Yeah. In that team announcement too, though, they also said uh, their first games or tournament or event, whatever it is they're actually doing mm-hmm. is us. Uh, scheduled for october 9th in memphis so uh i'm assuming the next step for this i'm still like i don't know i guess i'm like cautiously optimistic on it like hopefully it works out but i'll believe it works out you know when it when it hits the uh, when they actually hit the ground running here but um it's like you know i i guess uh hopefully they start uh they've announced some players but they haven't said like who they're playing for or anything either so Hopefully we see a little bit more of those kind of announcements more news. later. Any news is great. Well, it should be fun. Go team. Uh, all right. Uh, sticking a little closer to home, but not really. <laughs> um, we have another Duguid crossing the pond. Uh, Caden Duguid, the eldest of the uh, Duguid siblings, um, is going over to uh, the Federale uh, uh, One League in France. Oh boy, you know what? I don't even want to. I'll let you guys take a chance on how to pronounce the club's name. Um, but it's so it's so amazing to have another young Canadian, another second row, which for so long we've been kind of relying on a couple of second rowers. So I have another guy going over and playing um, pro rugby over there. It's going to be great. Um, you know, he was part of the centralized Pacific Pride program, represented the Prairie Wolf Pack. Toured with Canada U19s, you know, uh, it's exciting to see him take this next step in his rugby. You know, you kind of hope that maybe uh, an MLR team was willing to take a chance on him, but, you know, sometimes the cards just don't lie that way. So I'm excited to see what happens with with Caden. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice to see guys signing overseas. Uh, you know, best, best of luck to them. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully, uh, the, the, you know, Hopefully uh, the Duguids can uh, pass along to Rugby Canada with their feet in these kids, and uh, we can. Uh, <laughs> what you know, diet are these guys? Yeah, eating? we could. Uh, we could start. Uh, you know, start the. You know, growing the uh, the program back up. Uh, from one middle child to another, congratulations on uh, your new um, role with the. Uh, was it Perihorade? Sure. See, I didn't want. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's and that's a more Italian See, accent. This is they, why they, if they were called in, the in France, France. There we go. In France, there they should just go. be. They should be called Let Equip. That's a, if you don't understand. We that need to end the show French. only yeah. because Derek is is slowly losing his mind. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're actually going to finish. We were hoping that we could uh, talk about Canada's uh, roster. However, it is now. 9 12 p.m. Ontario time, and they haven't posted yet. So we're going to instead shift gears and quickly, quickly look at 
their opponents in a very, very short amount of time, um, the USA Eagles. Guys, McGinty's um, back. That's not good. Yeah, That's there are some there are some players that are that are interesting that are not going to be available. Um, Sam Uching is with his new club, so he's not available. Um, Mikey Teo, uh, his wife is nearing a due date. Their her due date, so he will not be available. Um, Calvin Whiting is a really interesting one, and when you look at the guys that they picked, they didn't really pick a whole lot of centers and Calvin started two games for the Eagles. Now bearing that was part of injury, but still I thought he had a pretty, did a pretty good job. So to see him not involved is interesting. Um, uh, Lemisetti is not also going to be uh, part of the program, a part of the, the lineup. He's sticking with Montpellier. Um, so Totafe is moving from hooker to prop. It's, there are some interesting decisions, um, but you cannot argue the depth, okay. especially in their pack. You know, really, really strong lineup that Canada is going to struggle with in certain parts of the game. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like you can, uh, what you were saying earlier, it's like you can, uh, you know, you can go like an all European pro front row. You can have, I mean, I think like we, we kind of touched on it a little bit today when we were talking about, you know, the arrows selecting Martin Feek. It's, you know, fly half is a, is a, you know, bit of a problematic position for Canada, whether that ends up being Nelson or Kelly or, you know, whoever it ends up being the AJ McGinty is the guy on the other side. And he is legitimately probably the best fly half in the premiership at the moment, or at least playing played that way this year. Um, you know, he's, he's unreal. So, you know, that, that's a tough matchup already. Um, they have a lot of their MLR guys. I mean, I know like they're, maybe they're out wooching, but they're out wooching, they're out tail, but like, it's, it's, it's a pretty stacked roster. And I mean, it's, it'll be interesting. Like, like I said, it's like, you're kind of combing through, um, the Canada camp right now with like some of those images and, uh, yeah, there's some players that I'm like, Oh, I don't see that guy and stuff and um like i mean we'll see we'll see what it looks like but it looks like and all honestly looking at this roster and knowing the roster that canada had against england and wales and obviously we haven't seen the seen the roster yet but you can look at the pictures that swiler's rugby club posted if if the european guys aren't on this team this 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 is gonna be tough like it's 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 a good squad that the USA put out, man, it's going to be a, like, I think, I think we are at the point where it's like, I think Canada needs a, if they want to qualify, if they want to qualify for the world cup at some point, you're going to need a, um, the, the full powered squad to show up. And um, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what it actually looks like. USA squad is very good. It's uh it's very yeah. good. And I want to give a, a little bit more perspective about what they're up against, you know, their last game that they've played against each other was right before the world cup. And that game was 2015. Um, and then the game before that, they were beaten soundly in the Pacific nations cup against, uh, you know, the U S and then the game before that was in the ARC of 2019. And it was a, it was a try at the end of the game to win. 
for the U.S. So, you know, mm. barring the one game against the U.S., they've had, they've played close games. Sure. But that was two years ago. <laughs> like, well, cards are, you know, you know, we have no idea what this game is going to be like. But if you are looking at this roster, it is a good. uphill climb with a bag of bricks on your See, back. Dan, my, my counterpoint to what you just said, though, is, you know, as they say, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Right. And the fact of the matter is, it's like you can lose by one try. You could lose by a point in the 80th minute. It's still a loss. And Canada hasn't beaten the United States in eight years. It's yeah, that's for eight years. That's it. There's one, there's one draw mixed in there with the world cup qualifier. And then the USA, it was the first leg of a world cup qualifier. They drawed and then the USA smacked them in the second leg. So really it's haven't beat them in eight years. It's, the USA, maybe, you know, maybe there was a time where the, you could look at the uh, Canada versus the USA and be like easy game. Canada should win that. Uh, that time has long yeah. passed. If you want to trip gentlemen, look at the, the lineup for that match, Which that, that second half of the, the qualifiers for the 2019 world cup against the U S the lineup that Canada put out because they had both Taylor Paris and DT agent Vandermurver hurt. Mm. And mm. they had to pull up like guys like Dan Moore into the lineup okay. well, for that game. So again, horseshoes, hand grenades, man. That's yeah. All. Stu, That's you awesome. know, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but how do you feel about, is there anybody that you're seeing that you're excited to see? I mean, I don't want you to say that you're excited to see any Americans <laughs> because they're playing Canada, but in the grand scheme of things, we're also rugby fans. Be really sad after 80 minutes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we also are rugby fans. So so are there any names that you maybe we might not have seen in Europe or you did see in Europe you want to see more of? Is this just a segue for uh, him to go on his 20-minute uh, Ryan James tangent here? Listen, sometimes you got to throw lob balls up in the air for him. <laughs> um, well, let's not uh, beat around the bush anymore. Uh, <laughs> um now I'll say uh, obviously great to see Ryan James um, in the lineup, um, but the fact that um, John Ryberg isn't on this list is interesting. And there's no um, now obviously they do have uh, two good wingers in Ryan James and uh, Mika Kruse. Um, well, Maggie, if um, pushed to, I'm sure I'm sure we could fit in. Um, wing as well right um, yes but, but obviously uh john ryberg um you know not only is he quick but he's big as well and could probably steamroller anyone in his way um i just don't but, think people are as confident in his defensive ability yeah, yeah. but it's canada Wow, Dan. Okay, I'm just gonna leave that alone. If, if it, yeah. Honestly, right. honestly, though, honest, let's be real here. Like, honestly, wow, right. I would understand that argument for the for the UK matches, but like, you don't don't need defense against Canada. Wow, that's that's what no. I'm just saying well, that like the gap between how he you know the level of MLR and then especially if we don't have our European players. How much of a gap is it between the MLR and Rugby Canada right now? There isn't. They're they're all MLR players yep. or Federale One. 
So I, I'm just saying that he's going to have the same level of competition. He did pretty well this year with his defense. So I'm just, I think that it's not that much of a gap in terms of taking a chance on that and just letting him go absolutely beast mode. Yeah. I will say that um, what's being highlighted by, um, like just looking at this team list, you have not only like the European players, as well as Marcel Broche, who's um, currently in Aust- um, playing for the Western Force in Australia. Um, but you have multiple different teams where these guys are playing professional rugby for anywhere from like 18 to 20 weeks a year. Um, Canada only has the arrows. This is like, this should be sparking the fire of like the rugby old boy saying I mean, that there's, there's a lot of guys on the American MLR teams too. Like I don't. Yeah. But that's the th- in the sense of, if you want to have a competitive national team, only having one professional uh, team well, they- in your country, isn't going to cut the mustard. Essentially. You need to have a sec. Now, obviously I know there's the um, Pacific pride, which is um, backed by rugby Canada itself, but you know, they don't face the same competition that the Arrows face. And and that's the, as, as long as there's like more competition. And I'm not saying that there needs to be a second Canadian team um, this instant or that, that there's going to be a second Canadian team in Vancouver within like the next five years. I'm not saying that, so don't quote me on it. Um, but in the sense of if a... Um, if a nation wants to improve its national team, it me- it needs more professional players. And um, now there are there are enough Canadian players in the American uh, MLR teams that they do have the option of picking from them. But you know you want to have them within um, your boundaries of selecting players, and so that's like still you can select guys from the American teams. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. that yeah, no, that's like, not. But it's in the same way of like even European, like say Wales, for example. If any of their players play in England and they play outside and Wales plays a game outside of um, the test window, those players aren't available. And I'm not saying that the US would do it, or but it is an option to them. I, th- I don't, I don't, I, MLR players are going to play for Canada and the United States. And like, here's the thing. Is, is we, That's not an issue. We, we can't, they can't enforce those laws because we're in terms of just international setup and professional yeah, setup. It's not, we're it. playing catch up with the rest of the world. So no matter how yeah. much we want those things, it's Carry like on. a chicken. Do we want the chicken before the, or the egg? You know, like we can't have one without the other. We can't have another pro team. If unless rugby can has money, well, rugby Canada might get more money if there's another, you know, like, we need we need an investor. That's really what it comes down to, and there isn't one that's willing to split yeah, that bill yet. It's, so it's just, I, it's, it comes. I just down need to, to have a few conversations with the Mister Lawrence Stroll of Aston Martin F1, and I'm sure we can uh, <laughs> yeah, get a Montreal-based team soon enough. Or that new BC Lions uh, owner, maybe maybe he will want to yeah, dish out some. I think, yeah. like, I mean, barring like any visa issues that someone may have, like. We, I think I think that's the thing is I think like like what do we like the USA has a bigger population than Canada and it will always make sense for them to have more professional teams than us. 
it will always that's just math it'll always make sense that they have more teams in the mlr and, and like Stu, i understand what you're saying i understand that yes yeah if rugby Canada wants to get better they do need another pro team no they just need they just need guys playing pro why if you want Derek, but like the thing is it's not just guys playing pro rugby there's nothing on teams it's also you want guys that are playing together why? And then also bringing that to the national the team. Eagle, the Eagles guys, okay, fine. The Eagles guys in the MLR are spread out by 12 teams. They're not playing together. They're fine. They're not playing together. New Zealand has their guys spread across four different teams. They're not. Yeah, not but you still have together. guys that are playing together. Like There's 10 teams. Again, we don't know what can. They're okay. all playing together. Heaton and Keys are playing together in Atlanta. Like, it's all. it's From the forwards alone, you've got one two, three, four guys from Rugby United in New York. Now, whether or not those guys play, that, that's a completely different, different. And what's, what's, the uh, arrow, what's the Canada pack going to be? Like how many guys? Exactly, which is great. Pack? But you can't argue with us and say that you don't, that that would not benefit Canada more. If more guys were not playing together in as, as one team. You don't need to be all on one team. That's not the that's not the discussion. Team. It's it would it make Canada better? Yes or no? It no. Be, all you right, know what? I'll say you. no. Because you know what? I'll say no. Because here's like yeah, no, I'll say no. Beat the United States. Beat them. And we'll we'll and talk we'll talk we'll talk about if it's if it's all you know, if they're spread out too far or not. All right, that's beat fine. Beat them. And again, right. we're not I mean, saying that that they, we're not saying that that Canada will never move forward without another team. You need. I'm not saying that. No. Stu can say that all if if that's how he oh, feels, and need, I I don't want to speak for you him. You need you need guys playing pro. You need guys playing in different environments and stuff. If you have every if every single player is playing on like in the same in the same system all the time, it's the same system. So let me ask you a question, Derek. Hypothetical question. You have a bunch of players that can come in with different ideas. Mixing, like, it's good to have guys on different teams learning from different So my question to you, Derek. Let's say tomorrow. What the arrows are doing is, like, bad. I love that the arrows are, like, bringing in a lot of Canadian guys. I just think there's a misconception that you have to have as many. Like, there's no reason. Like, we we don't need another team in Canada right away, if especially if no one's willing to put up the money for it. But what we need is we need more players playing on the American teams. And that'll be uh, and that's good enough. Because there there will never be a scenario where there's an as many MLR teams in Canada as there are in the United States. That's Derek, that's not you are you are putting things out in the cosmos that we didn't say. And that's unfair to us. You can't say that. All right, so we, what are you trying to say? We're trying to say that there, we think that there needs to be another MLR team for Canada to make the next step. But why, though? The same reasons that you just mentioned. There's going to be more Canadian guys playing because there are guys that aren't playing in MLR right now that if they if there was another MLR team, they could be playing right now. We, yeah, we know that. They could. So, they could let let me finish. Balance. Let me finish. Let me finish. MLR Canadian players are domestic players in Major League Rugby. Yeah, but we both know that visas is is a huge barrier for that happening. So you got to let me finish because you're saying things and then you're just being proven wrong. So let me finish. I said visas are an issue. Barring visas, that's the only issue. But guys, so so that's a huge issue then. 
Right now, until until MLR gets those visa problems fixed, it's an issue. Sure, but guys are still going. Guys are still finding. There's guys that are finding. How many times have we heard about about guys that that didn't get to make it to an MLR American team because of visas? Oh, how many international players and also Canadian players have we heard in the past couple years did not get to make it because of visas? You know, okay, you know what? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. There is, there's definitely, but that's. But what, like, that's why I'm saying, like, the MLR needs to get, I would rather see the MLR get to that threshold that the U.S. government requires for that to not be a problem than to see another Canadian team. I think we need that. Okay. I think so then that's helpful. Other, other, and then Stu, feel free to say whatever you need to about this. You're also adding another grassroots program into another part of Canada that is going to be feeding money into grassroots rugby. So you cannot argue with me that that's not a good thing. No, that's definitely good. I never said that not having another Canadian team would be a bad thing. I just think that there's... Yes, you did. I asked you I if it'd be a bad thing it. or not. And you said no. It's... No, I never said it would be a bad thing to have another Canadian team. I'm saying I don't think like you need, need it. to have... So you're a, saying that you don't need those grassroots programs. Program. You don't need another pro team that's going to add bring exposure to rugby. You can it's going to get kids into... into into no, you, rugby you, because they are a pro nice. team in Vancouver, yes. Langford, Victoria, Saskatchewan, wherever. Those Atlantis. would be nice. It would be nice to have that. Yeah, it would be. But it's like you also have to you. But is that is that what we're doing? We're just going to sit here and be like, oh, we lost to the United States because. No, we, we didn't say that. Derek, or... again, you're putting words in our mouth. We didn't say that's the reason why the Canada is going to lose. But we're no. saying it's. If we're looking at what needs to push Canada further, we think that that's the next one of the next steps that can, needs to be happen. We also understand that it's probably not going to happen because there are way too many barriers. Yeah, exactly. Especially one yeah. of them being money. But that's what and I'm saying. Like, like, hey, it's just not going to happen because there's no you're money. Not going to. That's what I'm saying. Like, if no one's going to step up to do the second Canadian team, that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to as a league. Like, I think the bigger thing would be to get to the point where visas are not an issue for Major League Rugby. And then guys can go anywhere easily. Like, more, maybe more guys get drafted if their visas are... I think the visa clearance is the most important thing for Canadian rugby players right now, is to get that clearance. All right, that's fine. To be able to play, to be able to easily play anywhere at any level. Or, okay. Well, I'm still trying to look at Twitter, and it looks like no, it's definitely not. <coughs> definitely. Yeah, as much fun as that ta- that huge tangent was, it's definitely it's still not. That's, it's still not up. Sorry, it's still not up. Sorry, right, guys. This, yeah, this podcast about... was recorded on Tuesday, so sure can... enough, nine a.m. Wednesday yeah, morning. Tomorrow they Wednesday. will announce it, and this will we can keep talking about the uh, Spider-Man no, no Way Home trailer. No, I want to. I want to go. Yeah. I have to go put the garbage out. So oh. we are going to end it there, gentlemen. Um. Yeah, in the next few weeks, we're going to have some test matches. And we still don't know who are going to be playing in them for Canada, but that's all right. We'll take the punches as we go. Um, if you guys want to listen to more of our podcast episodes, you know, last week we did our kind of Rouge Rugby Awards show. So uh, take your time to listen to see what we thought about how MLR 2021 ended. Um, we've done a lot of really interesting uh, interviews in the past calendar year. So please take the time to look at those. Get yourself excited for these test matches that are coming up. It's going to be a big couple weeks for Rugby Canada. And also you can find us at uh, LaRouge Rugby, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
Uh, all three of us are very active on Reddit, so make sure that you also uh, ask your questions there. Uh, YouTube page is up and constantly being uploaded with all of our episodes.